Welcome to the Ordinary Pastor Podcast with C.J. Mahaney. This podcast is devoted to helping ordinary pastors with the extraordinary privilege of serving God's people in their local church. And now, here is C.J. with your host, Mickey Connolly. Welcome back to the Ordinary Pastor Podcast. Uh, Thank you for your encouragement, and um, we're glad to be back with you all. Uh, Back at T4G last spring, C.J. did a breakout session on uh, creating a culture of joy, and it really affected me to hear that material. And uh, I just thought back over your history of ministry, and particularly just experiencing Sovereign Grace Church of Louisville now, and some of the things that have characterized churches you've led, uh, like gospel-centeredness, encouragement, gratitude, joy, and just recognizing those things don't happen by accident. It's part of your leadership. And so how, how would you encourage our pastors that want to see those kinds of things, those values in their churches? How would you encourage them? How do you create those kinds of cultures? Well, it, it, is, the, it is the gospel, as you know, that creates a culture. So joy would be the fruit and effect of the gospel in our lives and the appropriate response to the gospel is to serve the lord with gladness uh, so joy is the fruit and effect of the gospel uh, god's people are to be a happy people serving this gracious and generous god with joy i think the pastor and pastoral team play a vital role in modeling that joy as an effect of the gospel for the church and leading the church in the experience and cultivation of that joy. And I think it's a part of the biblical job description for a pastor. So in 1 Peter chapter 5, after uh, exhorting the elders to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. So after referencing this sacred task that we have been called to, he then specifically says, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. So Peter makes a transition there from the task to the manner of ministry, from the task to our motive for ministry, from the sacred task to addressing our hearts. And he identifies first, not under compulsion, and then adds this command, but willingly. And in JND's commentary on first peter i think he really captures what peter's communicating here effectively when he writes the elders are to serve not for their own satisfaction in the job but as glad volunteers in god's service so the word willingly is used in the old testament for free and voluntary service to god those who embrace god's will willingly and eagerly and gladly we are to be glad volunteers so i think it is the privilege and responsibility of pastors and pastoral teams to model for the church the example of joy in serving the Lord with gladness. And I think it's a part, it's clearly a part of the biblical job description. So if you want to create a culture of joy in the church, a human means of that is the model and example of the pastor to the church. And your church members, are they are studying you so they are studying you we have to ask ourselves what are they learning from what they observe and from this 
aspect of the biblical job description in first peter they are to be observing pastors who are amazed amazed by the grace of god revealed to them in the gospel of christ and him crucified and amazed that they have been called to serve god's people amazed that they have been temporarily entrusted with those for whom christ died and their service of those people should be done not under compulsion not because they must but willingly and joyfully as glad volunteers so that that example is 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 just critical in creating a culture of joy in the church yeah um interesting choice of words under compulsion help help yeah. just kind of pull back the veil on our hearts a little bit what are some of the temptations of a pastor where you kind of lose the willingness and joy and it becomes a compulsion what, what have you found that we have to guard our hearts against yeah good question uh, listen if, if the if the original readers the original elders this letter was addressed to if they needed this exhortation well then <laughs> yes. i need this exhortation uh, so this was apparently a temptation for them now the smart guys speculate that it was possibly a temptation because of the persecution they were experiencing so these elders uh, are originally uh, eager to serve glad volunteers in serving uh, possibly because of persecution there had been a diminished willingness and so a a compulsion in effect was uh, motivating them but it it's not just uh, overt opposition or persecution that can dampen and diminish willingness in pastoral ministry that there are just numerous experiences and circumstances that can wear down the heart of a once willing pastor reducing his heart to obligatory joyless service so i mean here, here would just be a sampling uh, weekly sermon prep uh, again privilege but a responsibility and a repetitive task that over time can cease to become a joy and imperceptibly become a burden. So work you no longer look forward to or no longer marvel that you have the privilege to do each week. Weekly preaching uh, can become that as well because it is another repetitive task that, that over time it can just take its toll on the heart of a once very excited pastor, uh, particularly if those you are serving don't seem to be attentive or responsive <laughs> uh -huh. to what you're preaching. Uh, what I'm sure is obvious to, to all pastors is many of the pastoral tasks we engage in, they're repetitive tasks and so repetitive tasks have the potential to wear down the soul of a, a once willing pastor now add to that add to that mickey add to that all manner of counseling uh add to that caring for people who are suffering uh add to that individuals you love uh who uh, abruptly and unexpectedly leave your church so the list goes on and on and and all of these experiences either individually or collectively can slowly and imperceptibly over a period of time wear down the heart of a once willing pastor so that so that you're driving to work and you look like everybody else driving <laughs> to work uh, and, and and you can even start just wondering what what it would be like to have a different job uh, and and you just go into the office go into the building simply because you must so it, this this is a temptation we are vulnerable to the original readers are vulnerable to it or else peter wouldn't have written this to them uh, it's it's relevant to us uh today yeah
Yep, couldn't agree. Well, uh, I'm, I'm bad on my quotes. Was it Spurgeon that said, if you can do anything else other than be a pastor, do it because it, it's such hard work? Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if his reference was related to hard work, but I think he was. He was trying to draw attention to if a guy isn't called, then I don't. And he's not convinced of that call, and others don't confirm that call. I, I don't. I don't think he's going to experience obviously the grace to sustain him in that call okay. because of all the challenges that are related to that call. Yeah, pastoral ministry is hard work. Uh, and this this vulnerability to a a heart that uh, becomes weary uh, that that no longer is is you know amazed that you have this privilege and joy it it, it it's it's a common temptation uh, for each and every pastor and the, so this is where the biblical job description I, I think is is a distinctive for the pastor there there are so many professions and 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 skills. Uh, that they don't require joy. So the pastoral job description requires joy. Uh, God wants happy pastors. And if I'm to accurately reflect him, represent him, effectively serve the church, I'm to do so as a glad volunteer. So recently we needed a plumber. Uh, it didn't matter to me whether he was happy or not. What mattered to me was whether he was competent or not. Uh, and, and, uh, and prior to that, I needed somebody to work on my car. I don't. I don't really care if if that individual yep. is is cheerful. Uh, you don't want to be best friends. With no, the guy. not not interested in that. I just wanted to be competent. <laughs> well, pastoral ministry is, is distinct in that. Yes, faithfulness is required. Diligence is required. Competence is required. Uh, but add to that, joy is required. It's to be done not under compulsion, but willingly as a glad volunteer and people notice oh my goodness if yes. you're not joyful yes they do people listen for for pastors the people we serve they aren't just studying our sermons they aren't just studying the content of our sermons they're they're studying our demeanor they're they're studying our facial expression they're studying you know when they observe us or encounter us what do they observe and what do they encounter do they encounter somebody who is busy and burdened and hurried and weighed down uh is is that what they encounter or do they encounter a glad volunteer who is honored to serve them as one for whom Christ died. So yes, our, our people are, are are studying us, and we we need to ask ourselves what what are they learning from their observation of us. Uh, and I, in order to 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 accurately represent the Lord who has graciously called us and the effect of the gospel upon us, uh, sh- should be normally consistently a joy. A willingness, a, a we are glad volunteers. So I, I'm often approached by people. I'm sure you are as well. And and they 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 will initially just say, "Hey, look, I know you're busy." Oh, pet, and, pet peeve. Yes, exactly. Yeah. How and, do you and, answer? And I oh, I answer the same way every time. I say, "Listen, I'm I'm no busier than you are." 
Mm-hmm. So I, I do not want to leave the Maybe perception. Even less so. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm no busier than you are. And listen, I'm not in a hurry. How can I yes. serve you? Excellent. I want them to 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 feel the joy it is for me to be able to serve them in some way, and I want them to experience hopefully uh, my full attention. So uh-huh. I, I I don't I don't want anyone's perception of me to be this just this busy guy uh he, he looks burdened uh, you know <laughs> yeah. must be doing Rushing important here stuff. And there. no no <laughs> i i i am an unusually blessed man i have been forgiven of my sins i have become an object of the mercy of god and in the mystery of his mercy i have been adopted by the grace of god in christ and add to that i have been called to serve you (laughs) so i want people to feel the effect what a privilege to to represent our lord and to in some way hopefully serve you so i how can i serve you that that's that's what i want to convey and i want that to to be obvious not not just in the uh personal interactions that i have with people but in every context uh, where I have the privilege to serve and lead the church. So public as well as private, uh, this needs to be uh, a distinctive uh, among pastors because it's part of the biblical job description and it accurately uh, reflects and glorifies God. Yep. Yeah. God wants wants happy pastors. Yes. Um, You had, in, in your message, you had some great quotes from Spurgeon on this whole thing of personal interactions, uh, do you have do you have those? Oh yes. yes okay, good. Sure, yeah. sure. Give us those. Those yes. are superb. Yeah. In uh, letters to my students, Spurgeon makes the following recommendation for pastors. He says, "I love a minister whose face invites me to make him my friend." <laughs> How good is that? Excellent. So when I when I read that, uh, I have to ask myself immediately, "What does your face invite, CJ?" What does your face invite? Your, your, your face is issuing an invitation. So what does your face invite? And Spurgeon says, I love a minister whose face invites me to make him my friend. He went, he went on to write, no one knows what a smile and a hearty sentence may do. A man who is to do much with men must love them and feel at home with them. An individual who has no geniality about him had better be an undertaker and bury the dead, for he will never succeed in influencing the living. (laughs) How good is that? And then he finishes, a man must have a great heart if he would have a great congregation. So how practical is that? I mean, that, that that is a quote. Uh, that from the time I first read it, yeah. I memorized, and 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 that that just should you know this command obviously should be informing every aspect of our service, and that quote uh, should be a, a just a wonderful reminder that we are to model this joy, and that when we are with people, our face is making a statement. It's making a statement about our heart. It's making a statement about how we think and feel related to this task. It's making a statement about those we are serving. What statement is my face making and is my face inviting people to make that make to make friends? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Um, here's the million dollar question. Uh, 
can't gin up joy. You know, you could fake a smile. Yeah. You could, you know, you could put on a, a mask. But the joy has to be genuine or people are going to very quickly pick up. It's just something that's being put on. So here's the question. How does a pastor feed his soul in such a way that he is joyful in, instead of just you know, trying to put on some act or look good. How, how do we be genuinely joyful so our joy is a reflection of our heart, our face yeah, is yeah. a reflection of our heart? Yeah, great great question, and, and, and my answer uh, is, is, is going to be an, an obvious one, uh, but the most effective one that I know. You, you preach the gospel to yourself each and every day. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm just not aware personally of a more important practice for the creation of joy and the cultivation of joy in one's heart and life than preaching the gospel to oneself on a daily basis. I think I would say no days off. And actually, Peter reminds the original elders he was addressing of the gospel at the outset of this exhortation. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed. And to study First Peter is to encounter uh, one reminder after another about the gospel. So Peter's glad service, if, if Peter were here, if we could have the privilege of interviewing him, he, what was his glad service rooted in? How would he answer the question? And that's the most important answer. <laughs> he would just say, my joy is rooted in the gospel. And so that is where we go when we need a fresh impartation of joy for the pastoral task. So when there's a consistent absence of joy, then I know I need to give attention to my heart and what I need to preach to my heart is the gospel. Uh, joy, joy isn't rooted in one's temperament. Uh, it isn't to be rooted in one's experience of providence. Joy really is the fruit and effect of the gospel. And there simply is no more joy-inducing topic yep. than the gospel. So joy uh, dissipates when the gospel is assumed or neglected, and joy is created and cultivated when the gospel is proclaimed. And by the way, our friend John Biber warns us as pastors that the greatest threat to your ministry, he writes, dear brothers, is that you lose your joy in God. That's the greatest threat. And then he goes on to talk about uh, or exhort us to seek and to seek to see and feel the gospel as bigger as years go by rather than smaller. Now that's that's wonderful wisdom because if there's an absence of joy in my heart, it it most likely reveals that the gospel has become smaller to my heart. And so these these quotes are drawn from an article simply titled by John, Never Let the Gospel Get Smaller in Your Heart. So the, for the pastor, giving attention to the gospel in some form each day, it, it, is, it is not optional because in reminding myself of the gospel each day, it creates a gladness in my heart, and that gladness is discernible to those I serve, uh, beginning with my family yeah. and extending to the team and the staff and the entire church. Uh, just clarifying question, and, and I think um, obviously the gospel in general is just happy news. But the, the gospel, as it's related to you, worst of sinners, 
gospel met me. So it's not just gospel as theological construct. It's gospel as something that's actually affected your life each and every day, that we're still amazed that we're saved, we're a pastor, correct? Oh, uh, yes, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I hope, I, my great fear for myself is that I would become a professional pastor. Uh, is that as the years go by, you you develop certain uh, competencies and 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 skills. Uh, that that's my fear. And and pa- as pastors, what we must give our attention to first and foremost is our hearts and our affections, and pay close attention to those. So what I want to be true in my life is that. As the years progress, I'm actually more amazed at yes. the grace of God revealed yeah. in and through the gospel. Luther, Luther reportedly said, I feel as if Jesus died only yes. yesterday. So I want to feel as if he died only yesterday and feel the effect of his death as my substitute on my behalf, being crushed under the weight of God's righteous wrath, which I richly deserve for my sins so that I might receive the mercy I do not deserve. So I want to feel as if he died only yesterday. I want to feel as if I experienced the new birth only last night, uh, and I want my amazement to increase as the years go by. And uh, that—that's what—that's the—that's the—that's the most effective way I can serve the Savior. That's the most effective way I can serve my family. The most effective way I can serve the church is to give attention to my heart and my affections, yes. and and be preaching the gospel to my soul uh, so that I, I am affected and so that the result is a discernible joy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, in a funny way, the older you get, the more amazing, as you, as you look back over your life and the more opportunities you have to think, why me and why am I doing this? Why am I still alive? Yes, yes. And not in yeah. a morbid way, but as you get older, as death approaches, um, that's certainly a um, something that just yes, yes. makes you think the, the un- unbelievable. Oh my, my. Yes. Okay, I got to yeah. ask one more question okay. because we're running out of time a okay. little bit here. Um, let's let's circle back around um, the effect of the pastor. Just a couple comments on the effect of preaching, especially in creating this culture of joy in the church. So they're going to pick it up from you, but they're also going to pick it up from your preaching. Yeah, uh, there, yeah, there must be a, a discernible joy in our preaching, and it must be uniquely informed by the gospel. So, it, yes, it is not it is not sufficient for you to be joyful personally. That that joy must be evident in your preaching, uh, and I think it must be most obvious when you are preaching the gospel. So, preaching the gospel joyfully creates and cultivates a culture of joy in the churches we have the privilege to serve. And so, again, those we serve, they they aren't just studying the content of our sermon. They're studying our hearts. They're studying our passions. They're studying our affections as we preach them. So pastors need to ask, uh, do they preach with gladness? Is joy a distinctive when you preach the gospel? Uh, New Testament scholar Don Carson effectively brought this to my attention a number of years ago. I heard him make the following observation. I'm riding along my car, and I uh, 
it, listened to a CD and, he, and I heard him make this statement, if I have learned anything in 35 or 40 years of teaching, and I can remember <laughs> I pulled the car over because I thought, Dr. Carson is about to tell me something he's learned in 35 or 40 years of teaching. I want to give this my full and undivided attention. So he went on to say, it is that students don't learn everything I teach them. What they learn is what I'm excited about. The kinds of things I emphasize again and again and again and again. That had better be the gospel. If the gospel, even when you are orthodox, becomes something which you primarily assume, but what you are excited about is what you are doing in some sort of social reconstruction, you will be teaching the people that you influence that the gospel isn't really all that important. Oh, you won't be saying that. You won't even mean that. But that's what you will be teaching. And then you are only a half a generation away from losing the gospel. Make sure that in your own practice and excitement, what you talk about, what you think about, what you pray over, what you exude confidence over, joy over, what you are enthusiastic about is Jesus, the gospel, and the cross. <laughs> Can't improve on that. Nope. So you, you, you and I will ultimately transfer to the churches we serve, not simply what we teach, but what we are most excited about when we teach. And those listening to us, I'm saying those listening to us, they perceive what excites us the most. And so what I think they should perceive is a unique joy whenever we preach the gospel. So that's how I think we, by God's grace, create a, a culture of joy in the church. We help create a culture of joy when we are most excited about the gospel in our preaching. So we all need to ask ourselves, is there a unique excitement about the gospel when we preach the gospel that is obvious to those we have the privilege to serve with the gospel? Uh, excellent. So starts in us, yes. and it comes out in our preaching. Personal example, and then evident in mm -hmm. our in preaching. preaching. Uh, not only in the content of our preaching, but in our affections and in our excitement as we are communicating the gospel. So th that, that, that excitement should be uniquely preserved. That joy should be uniquely preserved for the gospel, preserved for the gospel in a unique way, and not changing every three months and being transferred to differing topics. So there, there just needs to be a unique joy as a unique effect of the gospel in our preaching. Yes. Excellent. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much. You have once again served us well. I hope so. Uh, gentlemen, we to. love you. We are yep. so appreciative yep. of the work that you do. Pray that these podcasts serve you. And we look forward to being with you again next month.